I was trying my best to get into Galatians, but we're still in John 4. I couldn't get out of it. So here we go. John 4, 25 through 42. Quite a few verses, and I will do my very best to be expeditious and use the time wisely. Gospel of John, fourth chapter, 25th verse through the 42nd verse. Amen. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. And upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no man said, What seekest thou, or why talkest thou with her? The woman then left her water pot and went on her way into the city. And Jesus said unto them, to, to the men, and, excuse me, to the city, and saith to the men, Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that ye know not of. Therefore said the disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him aught to eat? Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. Hallelujah. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest? Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes, and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And here is that saying true. One soweth, and another reapeth. I sent you to reap that whereon ye bestowed no labor. Other men labored, and ye are entered into their labors. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman, which testified, he told me all that ever I did. <laughs> so when the Samaritans were coming to him, they besought him that he would tarry with them and abode there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. And said unto the woman, Now we believe, not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves, and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Woo. So a lot of verses. I'm going to try my best by the power of the Holy Spirit, to make this plain. All right. There are many applications and points on, in this passage. I normally teach line by line. I normally go from the top all the way down. You guys know me. I don't tend to skip around. Uh, and I will not skip a verse. But today I'm going to jump around these verses a little bit so that we get the points in a certain flow. Amen. John is writing in a narrative way. He's telling event by event by event by event. And I don't want to leave any of that out because all of those points are very valid. 
However, I'm going to move in a different way than I normally do today just to make sure that the points flow, amen, and the verses uh, are in your mind and you don't miss what I believe God is saying to his church and those who should be his church today. All right. So remember, in verse 8, don't turn to it, just trust me, it's there. It's already there in the same chapter. Um, of this chapter, disciples were sent away. They were sent away into an area that they're not used to being around, used to being in, Samaria. They would avoid this area at all costs because the Samaritans are considered to be unclean. Those people are nasty people. We don't hang out with those people. They do terrible things. Amen? So the disciples are forced because they have traveled for some time into this area, and they land in a place called Sychar, which is where Joseph's well is, and the disciples are forced to go get some food because Jesus is tired, they are tired, they need to replenish themselves. Amen? All right. So Jesus, at that time, when he sends the disciples away, he's there talking to a Samaritan woman. Amen? At the well. And let's start at verse 27 today. Can we do that? Verse 27. All right. Beautiful. I love this. Good job, Matt. Or Keisha, one of you. And upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no man said, What seekest thou? Or why talkest thou with her? The disciples knew at this point better, you know, better not to judge Jesus. They knew, you know, he does some things that they don't often understand. However, they have been raised to think a certain way about people who are different than them. They've been raised to think a certain way about women in general, that is not correct in the eyes of God. It's cultural, but it's not right. So Jesus uh, is talking to a bunch of men who are his disciples who have absolutely no respect for women whatsoever. They just don't. Okay? All right. Jesus, even by speaking with this woman, a woman, period, um, is breaking the rules of society. Right? I went over that last week, and I told you that. There's something that rabbis and religious leaders and teachers, they will never do. They will never talk or speak with a woman in public. Amen? All right? Now, go back up to verse 25. Keep that point in mind, and go back up to verse 25. Uh, the woman saith unto him, Jesus, I know that Messiah is coming. Now, Jesus says, they that worship God will worship in spirit and in truth. He corners her about her lifestyle, and then, you know, she tries to go off on a tangent a little bit, but then she, you know, she knows the Torah, at least, because she's a Samaritan, from Genesis all the way, uh, the Pentateuch, rather, from Genesis all the way up to, uh, I believe, Deuteronomy. And so, you know, she knows to expect what Moses said, there's one coming that we should listen to. She at least got that. All right? So she says, I know that the Messiah is coming. Uh, which is called Christ. She's heard some rumors going on, and, you know, maybe, 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 I, maybe I'm talking to somebody who's a little bit more than I think he is, right? And when he has come, he will tell us all things. And Jesus does something amazing. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. I am the Messiah. Now, I want to reiterate a certain point here. Man, I sound like my dad in this building. Weird. Okay, sorry. I want to reiterate a certain point here. <laughs> the point I made last week is Jesus does not reveal himself to the religious elite. No. He chooses a woman who's a Samaritan. 
an outcast, a sinner, which is the opposite of what our human nature would do. You know, if I want to prove a point about who I am, I want to let you know that I am somebody. <laughs> I, you know, I want to, you know, let you see what I can do. Or I want to make myself big or tell you about who I really am. You know, what we tend to do is we, we, we prove that point, we, we go and find some people that are important. That's not what Jesus is doing here per se. He's not trying to make himself big. But he, you know, but normally what we would do is if we want to tell somebody who we are, don't you know who I am? <laughs> we find folks of influence. We don't go to the outcast of society. Think of it. The Pharisees don't know who the master of the universe is. And yet this Samaritan woman, whew, who has no rights, can't vote. This is way before that time. Amen. Lives on the wrong side of town and, 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 and is known in that town for doing all the wrong things. Amen. Is not only having a conversation with Jesus, she's having a conversation with God. And Jesus is God. He initiates the conversation. He lets her know that I am the Messiah that you've been waiting for. The Pharisees, who are the religious elite, the people that are supposed to know God, don't know this. Look what he's doing. He's doing something different. My point is, is that, let me just put it this way. When my sister and I were younger, we would sit at church and we would watch the who's who's and the what's what's. And they would always be in the same corner. Ain't that right, Val? <laughs> you know, and we would watch them. You know, people would come in, visitors, you know, people that would visit our church. And, and you know, they'd come in armed with business plans and career advancement ideas and songs that they just knew that if my daddy would sing them, they would be a hit. And so they would come in and they would press their way through the crowds and just to try to have a word with the impressive Mr. Hawkins or Bishop Hawkins, bypassing all the people in wheelchairs and crutches and folks that didn't dress nice and, huh? Folks that were not influential, the folks that couldn't sing, folks that would never touch the mic, folks that you didn't even, you know, the people in the back, they didn't talk to any of them. You know, I got to press my way to get to Bishop Hawkins. I want to talk to him. Hmm? Moving past all the needy folk. The point I want you to see here is Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus goes looking for the ones with no influence. Jesus goes looking with, for the ones that don't have much to offer. Jesus goes looking to give someone living water, huh? Which comes via or via a revelation of who he really is, huh? Jesus is offering himself. Jesus is revealing his identity to someone that everybody else would try to avoid. Whoa! See, isn't that interesting when you bash your nature up against divine nature? You can see how much we are not like Jesus and need prayer and need to be changed. Are you seeing that? You see the comparison? Now, jump to verse 31. In the meantime, the disciples prayed him. They come back and they say to him, Master, eat. You need to replenish yourself. You're tired. You know, they see this conversation. And I guess the best they can come up with is maybe they should interrupt him. Don't you need, you need to eat, Jesus. Don't, remember, don't forget. I don't know why you're talking to her. I'm not going to say anything about that, but you know, You need to eat some food. So I guess Jesus is talking with 
this woman and the disciples remember that Jesus is hungry, and now they have food that they bought from the you know, Samaritan grocery store or wherever, and they want to encourage Jesus to refresh himself, to regain his strength. Let's remember, Jesus is fully God. Jesus is also fully man, so he can get tired. Amen? Amen. But Jesus says the most profound thing to them, verse 32. He said unto them, I have meat to eat that ye know not of. He's tired, yet he's saying, yeah, but in this moment, <laughs> I'm feeding myself. Ooh, that's good. Therefore, the disciples said to one another, uh, one to another have any men brought him out to eat? Now let's go back again. Nicodemus. You can't even see the kingdom, John 3, unless you're born again. Can I get into somebody's, my mama's womb as big as I am? That's ridiculous. Okay? Fast forward, fourth chapter, Samaritan woman. You know, I, I have living water for you. Sir, how, Jesus, how are you going to give me living water? You don't even have a bucket. The well is deep. You know, here we are again. Jesus, you need to eat. You're hungry. I have meat to eat you don't even know anything about. It's something about our sinful mind that cannot catch the simple spiritual realities of what Jesus is saying. Amen? All three instances, they're going into the natural instead of the spiritual. Jesus is saying here, I have meat to eat that you know not of. Now, this does not mean that Jesus is walking around with a spare sandwich in his robe. Chicken or something. That's not what he's saying. Nor did Jesus give him some chicken. You know, you know, Walmart is everywhere, but they weren't there then. So that's not what he's talking about. Somebody must have slipped Jesus some food or something. No. Jesus says, I have meat to eat that you don't know of. What is he talking about? It means that Jesus gets his nourishment from pleasing the Father, from doing the will of God. You know how on a hot day when you're thirsty and, you know, and and it's getting hot, and the sun is beaming down on you, the most refreshing thing at that moment would be if somebody would walk past you with iced tea or something. And your brain starts thinking, oh, that would really help me out right about now. Right? Uh, but it's very satisfying to drink something hot, I mean, cool on a hot day, right? Jesus is telling us, I am refreshed. I am rejuvenated. I am satisfied. I get energy. <laughs> I draw life from me doing what my father tells me to do. Ooh. They're thinking about, you know, we need to, you need to fix your, your, your hunger issue. And your, Jesus says, no, no, I, I got this. I'm okay right now. I got another source of energy. If we are to be one with Christ, if we are to be like Christ, then we are to operate like Christ. Jesus is saying that he gets his food from doing the will of God. The question is, is this, are we missing out on nourishment? Woo. Now, we all know that we need food to live, right? But the real question is, is are we really well nourished without doing the will of God? Hmm? Are we malnourished? What are you saying, Pastor? How much more life and vitality can we have 
if we are prioritizing doing the will of God? Uh huh. Can we go days and days without food and water? No. Huh? Can the believer go days and days without doing the will of God? No. Huh? Should we? Are we nourished? Huh? Should we go days and days without telling somebody about Jesus? Hmm. I mean, think about it. If this is where Jesus is getting his nourishment from and we are to be like Jesus and operate like Jesus, then huh, are we getting our nourishment? How healthy are we really? That's a good question. Are you really as healthy as you think you are? When you see a person who hasn't eaten in a while, you know, you can just kind of tell. They, they kind of look a little sunk in. And you say, man, you need to eat something. You don't look so good. Now, if we have our spiritual eye open and our, our, our spiritual radar tuned in, huh? we should be able to look at ourselves and look at each other and say, man, you don't look so good. Huh? Have you been serving? Have you been worshiping? Have you been witnessing? Have you been helping your brother? Have you been bearing the, 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 the burdens of your brother? When's the last time you helped somebody out? When's the last time you did something for somebody else? When's the last time you told somebody that Jesus saves? How are you feeling? You don't look so good. Hmm? Are you doing what God has called you to do? Are you doing what you're here to do? Jesus said, my meat is eat and huh, to do the will of the Father, huh? To, to, to obey. I have meat that you don't even know of. Huh? He said, my, will is, my, my meat is to do the will of the Father and to finish his work. Jesus finished the work. He said, it is finished. <laughs> he got on the cross, died for our sins, gave his all. He said, it is finished. I get food off of doing the will of God. That's what he's saying. Hmm? Fulfilling your calling. Do you even know why you're here? How healthy are you really? Hmm. Verse 35. Then he says to the disciples, Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. Basically, the idea was that you would sow, wait for months, and reap. Jesus is saying in the spiritual realm that natural stuff doesn't apply. That's not always how it happens. Jesus is saying basically many of us are so preoccupied with our natural lives, we put off telling people about Jesus for a later time. Oh. Jesus says, look around, the time is now. Hmm? You can reap now. Mm -hmm. And he that reapeth, verse 36, real quickly, he that reapeth receiveth wages and gathers fruit unto life eternal. There are rewards coming to those who take the time and use their time wisely to preach the gospel, to tell people about Jesus Christ. There are, there are eternal rewards coming to those who are busy. There, there, folks is, that preach the gospel, they could look broke all day long. But in the spirit realm, <laughs> these people are filthy rich. Because they are, you know, when you're going to invest, you know, it's good to put your money in the right places, right? 
It's good to put your time in the right places. What are you saying here? Amen? Amen? So he said, you're gathering souls that will end up in heaven along with you. Wow. Ooh. When the Holy Spirit empowers you and you obey the Holy Spirit to say, you know what, I'm not going to put it off tomorrow. I'm going to go ahead and say it. And you preach the gospel. Amen? I'm talking to you and me. Amen? Can you imagine the joy that you will have knowing that there are people in heaven because you spoke to them or you told them the truth, you gave them the, the, the truth about Jesus Christ, you, you, you pointed out some things and said, hey, do you know what this, this book says? Do you know what the word says? There will be people that will come running to you when you get through the gates and say, thank you so much for telling me the truth. I know that Jesus is the Savior of the world. There's rewards coming to you. Look at it. He said, And he that reapeth receiveth rages, and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. You will be rejoicing, rejoicing on earth when you tell somebody the truth about Jesus Christ, when you give them the gospel. Huh? When you tell them, hey, come out of sin, repent of your sins, and turn, in, turn to Jesus Christ, and God will forgive your sins. Huh? You can rejoice immediately when they go, yeah, you know what? You're right. Or eventually when they come out and say, yeah, you know what? You know, I'm coming out of sin. I'm going to trust in Jesus for my salvation. You're right. You, what happens? You rejoice, they rejoice. Right? Amen. We rejoice. Amen. There will be people there. There will be folks that you recognize. There will be rejoicing in heaven with you. There will be rejoicing on earth with you. Huh? But the big one is in heaven. When you get to heaven and you go, wait a minute. Is that you, Pookie? Oh, we up in here with Jesus. <laughs> Pookie, that's you. You made it, man. All right. Praise the Lord. You're rejoicing. Amen? In heaven. Rejoicing. In earth. Amen? Jesus proved that the one that soweth and the one that reapeth may rejoice together could happen. What, how this, what do you mean by that? He, he talked to the woman. And then the rest of the chapter says, the woman then went and ran and told the folks, come see a man. There wasn't four months in between that. Are you seeing what he's saying? He's saying that doesn't really apply here. You know, that could it could take a long time. It could be instant. You don't know until you speak. Are you hearing me? You don't know what day your grandson will go, you know what? You're right. What day your daughter will go, you know what? You're right. Jesus is the same. You don't know what day your husband will go, you know, you're right. You don't know what day your boss will go, oh, yes, Lord. You're right. We don't know. It could happen. It could be instant. Amen? It doesn't have to take four months. Ah, keep going, Pastor. Jump to verse 39. And many of the Samaritans of the city believed on him for the saying of the woman, which testified, he told me all that I, ever I did. So when the Samaritans were coming to him, they besought him that he would tarry with them, and he abode there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. Amen? Verse 41 says, Jesus spoke, then she spoke, and as the folks are coming in and believing in Samaria, Jesus is Rejoicing, she's rejoicing, the people are rejoicing, 
they're rejoicing together. You see what's happening? Huh? Sometimes it happens like that, but sometimes it doesn't. And verse 37 puts it like this. And herein is that, is that saying true. One soweth and the other reapeth. Amen? Then he says, but I sent you to reap whereon you bestowed no labor. Other men have labored and you are entered into their labor. So he's saying sometimes it doesn't happen instantaneously. Sometimes someone sows and another person comes along and reaps. Amen? Some pastor, you, 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 it's, you know, some people, how do I want to say this? Some people can preach the gospel for years. I saw a pastor yesterday at the baseball field when I was talking to him. He said, you know, my church has been in the same place for about 20 years. But we're happy. However, there's been a slew of people that have come in and come out. You know, they've heard the gospel. And I've heard reports later on. I didn't get a chance to reap the benefit here in this church. But somebody else did. But they heard it from me first. You see what's happening? Some pastors preach to his neighbor for years and years and gets, gets rejected for years and years, but the man heard the gospel. The neighbor heard the gospel. Then that man gets sick, ends up in some hospital one day, you know, and maybe, you know, another person, you, you're working as a janitor in the hospital or maybe one of the nurses in the hospital, you go in and clean the room or you, you know, or you do something with their blood or, you know, put an IV in and you start talking about Jesus and they get saved right before they take their last breath. Somebody sowed, somebody reaped. You see it? The pastor was trying for years, couldn't get through. And here you come in, taking out trash. You know, Jesus loves me. He loves you too. And before you know it, there it is. Amen? Amen. And then he said in 38, I sent you to reap that whereon ye bestowed no labor. That's what he's talking about. Other men of labor, you are entered into their labors. Jesus is saying that you are entering into not only the others that have gone before you that I have empowered by the Holy Spirit. He's saying you're entering into my labor, basically. Jesus said, I started this thing. <laughs> you're reaping from what I started. Are you hearing me? You don't know what God does in a person's situation or in their heart during the week before you get to talking about Jesus. You have no idea what would happen. God can do something next week in that person. You just never know. He can bring them up. He can bring them down. He can position them, perplex them as I've taught you. And before you know it, here you come in talking. You don't know what it maybe might have been their pastor. It might have been their mama who spoke before, their co-worker who spoke before. And then here you come and you tell them the truth and they get saved. Amen? Uh, the harvest here. Never think that, just like in the case of this Samaritan woman, that somebody is so ungodly that we decide to take the gospel message and park it because we're not getting an immediate response. Amen? You know? If you look at the context here, the, the Jews don't like the Samaritans. Jesus is actually stopping here to talk to a Samaritan that the Jews feel is unclean. Amen. Sometimes we can decide, you know, if we sow, you know, we probably won't reap anything. But that person is too far gone. It's going to take them too long to hear the truth. You know? Longer than four months, whatever. Whatever time frame is. 
And sometimes we think we cannot expect immediate results. Jesus is saying, you can. You can. That can happen. Amen? Sometimes he does that. So don't think that the drug addict is too far gone. Don't think that, you know, the homosexual is too far gone. Whatever the issue is, don't think they can't, they're too far to receive the truth. We resort to our natural thinking in this situation. So we wait and we don't reap. We sit on the gospel. We don't take the opportunity to sow or reap. We don't tell folks about Jesus. That person that you think is too far gone could be the very person that sets a whole town on fire. Are you hearing me, saints? That may be the very person that could reach everybody else. You reach one drug addict, they go get all their drug friends. You just never know. You know? Some of the greatest theologians in history are people that nobody thought could be saved. And now we're reading all their books. Did you know that? Amen. It can happen in an instant. All it takes is someone who's willing to follow the Holy Spirit. Someone who's willing to trust in the only one who makes changes anyway. And that's the Holy Spirit. Amen? Verse 28. We're almost done. Back up to verse 28. The woman then left her water pot and went her, on her way into the city and saith to the men, Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Underline that. Is this not the Christ? And then verse 30 says, Then they went out of the city and came unto him. They came to Jesus. The woman said, He's told, he, he's told me all my business. <laughs> Could this be the Christ? And that was the thing that caused everybody to come running out to meet Jesus. And then folks get saved after that. Are you hearing? The woman, who is this woman? She's a fornicator. She's a serial fornicator. She's had sex with several men that were not her husband. And the boyfriend, Jesus pointed out, that she's living with now is not her husband. I don't know her story. I don't know her background. I don't know if she's been dating men and sleeping with men in hopes that they would marry her and she struck out five times. I don't know. I don't know if she's just not the type to settle down. We have people like that. You know? And I don't know if she has trust issues. I don't know. What I do know is that the bottom line is this kind of relationship is sinful. And God hates it. It's sin. This is something that God hates. The truth is, this woman could be any of us. I mean, I certainly moved in with and test drove several women before I got married. But it was sin. It was wrong. I tried to make it right because we both went to church. Was that nothing worse? Here, pastor sons, I can couple up with somebody. Y'all know I ain't going home alone. That was horrible. That was not my heyday. That was horrible. That was something that God hated. 
Amen? I test drove people, trying to figure out. I don't know if you're going to work out, so you got to go. Next. It's not funny. I mean, even car dealerships won't let you drive the car for months while you figure out why you're gonna, whether or not you're going to buy it. Think about it. You walk into a Mercedes dealership, man, that's a nice car. You know, I, that's really cool. I, I really like this car. So listen, let me tell you what's going to happen. I'm going to take the keys and the car, and I'll see you in about a year. You come in, you know, you call me, you check, on, check in to see how things are going. And I'll let you know whether or not I'm going to buy it. Putting miles on people. Oh, this too much? This is Transforming Love Christian Center. How many people have done this? The whole church. I, th- I thought so. God help us. It's interesting, though, that the same woman that was hiding from all the people coming to the well late in the day so she don't have to talk to everybody and all the women don't have to talk about her because everybody knows what she's doing. The woman who's normally hiding from the public after one meeting with Jesus now comes and runs and tells the whole town. (laughs) Y'all know I'm sleeping around. Come see a man who also doesn't live here but happens to know I'm sleeping around. And everybody comes out and says, wow, how does he know you're sleeping around? Let's go see. That's what happened. Could he be the Christ? Here's the point. Every last one of us has a reputation. Every last one of us has some dirt that we've done. Every last one of us has some stuff that we've done that Jesus is not cool with. Huh? And we hid our stuff for a while. Kept it under, swept it under the rug. But when she met Jesus, she didn't care about what you thought about her. (laughs) She said, come and see a man who has told me everything I've ever did. Maybe you ought to come and so he can tell you about yourself too. (laughs) Huh? One encounter with Jesus resulted in her recognizing her sin and seeing it for what what it really was. But then when you have been received by Jesus and you experience his love, in a non-condemning way, in his approach, in a non-condemning way, huh? You just, he just wants to be in relationship with you. Suddenly you're not ashamed of all that stuff anymore. And you want to go tell everybody, look, there's somebody who has received me. There's somebody who doesn't give me an excuse for what I do, but wants to be in relationship with me in spite of it. He's not looking past it. He's not giving, he's not saying it's okay but he's still talking to me. Wow. Wow. Y'all got to come get some of this. Are you hearing this? Are you seeing this? Huh? Then it says, verse 28 also says this. Back up a little bit. It says, the woman then left her water pot. Just a couple more points here and I'll be done. Here's the problem. This woman has a reputation. She's unclean. Everybody knows her business. She came 
for the water in the well that she's got to dig for. Jesus says, I want you to have living water. This whole transaction goes on. She gets excited. Something happens in her heart. She runs to the city and tells the others about Jesus Christ in spite of her reputation, and she does something very, very key. She doesn't take her water pot with her. That's the problem. There it is right there. We're still holding on to our water pots. The water pots have become priority number one. How am I going to make it? My rent is due. How am I going to fix this? I got situations. I got problems. I got to carry all this around. The water pots may be the very thing that's keeping the church at large from running for Jesus like we ought to. Think about it. Notice that she dropped the water pot. She left it. This represents my old life, my old way of thinking, my old concerns, my old habits, my old schedule, my old priorities. She leaves all of that behind. The things that are in this world that concern me, that want to put you know, their value over Jesus, the things that want to be over Jesus, the things that seem to be more important than Jesus. Huh? She left it. How is it that we have, as it says in this chapter, the living water springing up into everlasting life, the, the springing water that's always on, that never shuts off? How is it that we have that where we have real joy, real peace, real purpose, and yet we don't want to leave our water pot? Got living water in, but don't want to leave the water pot. You notice that the water pots weren't this big. The water pots were huge. They were carrying them on them sho their shoulders. They were carrying them, carrying them on their heads. And, and, you know, you, you would put the water in it, and once you fill the water pot, then the pot that was empty becomes even more heavy. Are you, are you seeing where I'm going? Not only, not only that, if you're too concerned, you know, if you run too fast, you'll spill the water. Huh? You got to be careful. You, what I end up happening, if you got your water pot with you, you can't run like you would normally run. Because you're going to spill out the contents or it's going to be too heavy for you. When I used to play at the clubs, I would see people with, <laughs> they, they would dance with their drink. <laughs> They'd be in, in a club. <laughs> careful now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> watch it now. <laughs> That didn't mean you look good. That means don't mess with my drink. Somebody remembers that. <laughs> See, when you're concerned about the contents of the water pot, you can't run. You're too concerned about how I'm going to make it. What, what happens if it spills out? It's too heavy. I won't, you know, if you're carrying something that heavy, you can't run to the town. By the time you get there, carrying that heavy water, everybody already asleep. You got there too late. You missed the opportunity. Why? Because we're holding on to our water pots. And our water pots keep us from running. There it is. Why isn't the church more effective? Because we're trying to run with water pots. We're trying to run with all our concerns. Is it, is, is it just me or do... Y'all feel that? 
Y'all feel it? I got this. I got that. I got a husband. I got kids. I got bills. I got, I got concerns. I, my retirement. I can't run. I got to do stuff. You're investing in the wrong well. See that? Hmm. All right. This is a strategy of the enemy to get the church so weighed down that we can't run. We miss opportunities. We're too concerned about spilling the water. The jug is too heavy. The application. To run effectively for Christ, we're going to have to let some things go. Maybe that's what this pandemic has been all about. And I'm a slow learner sometimes, y'all. Y'all forgive me. I look quick because I wear glasses, but that's not always the case. Maybe that's what the pandemic was all about. Maybe for the body of Christ, God wants the body of Christ to realize that we're holding on to too much stuff to be effective. <sighs> we're sabotaging our own reward. Maybe if we let go of some things, we realize what was important. So God, maybe he's helping us out here. Maybe he's helping us out here. He doesn't do things that we always understand. If I have had a real encounter with Jesus, where he lovingly exposed my sin and revealed himself to me to where I know for certain that he is the Christ. Huh? Where I'm a little bit in a, in a better position than the woman at the well. I'm not working with limited information. Huh? I know that he snatched me out of the hand of Satan. I know that he died for my sins. I know that he rose from the grave to give me victory. I know that he's coming back again. I know that I'm forgiven for everything that I've ever done, everything I did, and everything I will do, and everything I should have done. Huh? Huh? I know that I will live with him in total paradise forever and ever. When will the body of Christ get up and run like we know what we're running for? God help us. Come see a man who's told me everything I ever did. He told me I was a whoremonger, I was a liar, I was a thief, I was a fornicator, a blasphemer, a drunkard, a substance abuser, a porn addict. He, he told me that I've been re rebellious and unfaithful to God in my own special creative little way for 2021. He, that's what he told me. He told me that I deserve hell. And yet, in spite of me being the harlot that I have been, Jesus came looking for me. He came and saved me. He came and changed me. He came and delivered me. He came and rescued me. And I want you to know about him too. Last verse, and I'm done. Verse 42. John 4, 42. And said unto the woman, this is Samaritan talking, now we believe, not because of thy saying, 
for we have heard him ourselves and know that this is indeed the Christ, indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Here's the point, saints. If you don't know Jesus Christ, your whole reason for being here is to know him. It's not about getting a college education, getting a job, getting a car note and a house note and then asking somebody to help you pay for it and getting in debt and credit cards. It's, like, it's not about all that. It's, that's the world system. That's what world, worldly success ends in emptiness. It's not it. It's not it. And if you do know Christ, the whole point of your life is to know that he is the Savior of the world and also introduce others to the Savior of this world. It's not just so you can get saved so Jesus can fix everything in your life and make you extremely comfortable to where you don't have to go through anything. I, I'm going through a lot of things. It could be a lot worse. It could be better. But one of the things I've learned in the last 10 years is that that's not the point. The point is, Jamie, what are you doing for Christ? Are you making him known? I don't know about you, but at least on every Sunday, I'm getting my reward. I'm teaching. I'm telling people the truth. What about you? Are you that unlikely witness that Jesus could use? Even with your reputation? Is that what's keeping you? Is it the sin that you don't want him to expose? Is it the schedule you don't want him to change? The priorities that you don't want him to flip? Are you that available? Unlikely.